With us on the podcast today is Lloyd Bennett, designer at ThoughtBot in our London studio. Welcome, Lloyd. Thank you very much for having me. So I think the biggest reason that we wanted to have you on is because of the launch of one of your new projects. Do you want to give a little intro about the project and how it started? Yeah. So the project's called Tones and Shades. It's a digital magazine aimed to like share inspiring stories of Black creatives. The idea came about when me and Miles, a former colleague at Fortball, wanted to like really do something that would help our community. Mm. Especially being a Black person, there's been a lot going on like historically as well. So it hasn't been the easiest thing to tackle that's kind of made us be more like vigilant as to like the things that are going on within our community and try to like do things that will like empower us to be better. It could vary from a lack of diversity in the workplace in general or situations that have been happening across the globe as well. And we have conversations around that. So it was very easy for us to kind of come to the idea of how can we come to a collaborative effort and create something that's going to really empower our community. And then obviously us being designers, especially in the digital space, it was always going to be within that medium. Amazing. And how did you land on the idea to have a magazine, like this concept that you've, that you've launched? Like, well, what were your steps? We had a few conversations prior to Ralph Palooza, which is our hack day that we have at the end of the year. But then when Rough Palooza came about, it just made sense for us to kind of work on that as a project. Mm-hmm. So we spent those two days like in a room doing something called a brand sprint, which is being created by uh, Google Ventures. Uh, Jake Knapp has created that. It's very much similar to the design sprint, but it's more like brand focused. Mm. So we did a bunch of exercises such as who, what, why, like, who are we targeting, why do we care about it, and that sort of thing. Where do we see ourselves in like 20 years' time and all of those sorts of exercises? And it really f- helped us to flesh out the concept. Initially, Miles wanted to do like an actual print magazine, mm-hmm. but I convinced him as to why that wouldn't be conducive in that like there's a lot of limitations with print. One being, it doesn't allow us to access a wider audience. Mm. So it lives and dies with the person that has the magazine. And also there's a massive cost involved as well. If we wanted a wide audience, then that would like X times the amount of copies we need to print. So I steered them back into the course of doing things digitally. That's great. And there's always room in the future for some kind of supplement. You know, if you want to do experiment small with print, you can always do that. And going digital too, you're able to have a better handle on who's visiting and like who your audience mm-hmm. is. Yeah. So right now on your on your homepage, you have a featured interview. Yes. With an artist, Helen Kamuk. Yes. So can you walk us through that? Like which one of y'all interviewed her and how did you land on on her to talk to first? And I would just love to hear that that story. I think the good thing about the fact that I'm not doing this alone has allowed me to kind of focus on various different tasks. So I feel like Miles has done like a massive job in terms of getting the people to interview, scheduling them, 
like marking out the questions and that sort of thing where I've kind of focused more on the brand and how we were presented and all that sort of stuff and the build of the magazine. So um, Miles had like a list of people that he wanted to interview. So I was very quickly on board with that. So what we did is that we created a sort of a pitch deck, but it was in a form of a invitation. So I don't want to say pitch deck because it almost seems like we're really selling to them, but really what we're doing is inviting them. So it was like a PDF explaining who we are, what we're trying to do and why we've chosen to interview them. So we just like found the people that we wanted to interview, pop them an email. And then like, we got a lot of like good responses from that as well. Mm-hmm. So like, I was actually quite surprised, especially because someone of Helen Kamek's stature, you know, she, she has like an assistant that deals with all of these sorts of stuff. Yeah. So the fact that she was able to like take an interest in what we were doing, that was massive. So Ralph Palooza was probably about this time last year. Yeah. How has the brand evolved since that time? And I guess how, how did it evolve from when you first kicked it off this time last year to when you launched earlier this year? How many iterations? Like what was the iteration process, I guess? So I feel like the main iterations came from the ideas as a whole. So initially what we were planning to do we had like a bunch of ideas and one of them was to do like a, a day where we actually visit the interviewee, spend time with them, maybe within like the town they reside in or like where they grew up mm. and really like take pictures of like where they grew up, memorable stuff that is very dear to them and that sort of thing. But because of obviously these current circumstances that we were unable to do so, but from a positive perspective, this allowed us to go globally because initially we were just focusing mm. on London and then branching out later on. But because obviously with COVID and everything, we're like, okay, what's the alternative? That's why we were able to reach out to people in the States and that sort of thing. In terms of like look and feel, did that start off the same as, as how you have it now? Or, or how did you go about iterating with that with Miles? as a team there hasn't really been much iteration in terms of the look and feel i think we very quickly had an idea of what influences we wanted to draw from so as part of the the brand identity process i created like a stylescape Mm -hmm. which is basically like a mood board that has like references of things that you want to you know draw inspiration from but it's like in one like long sort of like landscape spread, if you will. So I created that and we very quickly came to like an agreement that this is the kind of style we wanted to go in. Like a lot of the influences came from Afro-Caribbean culture, also like your typical editorial sort of influences as well. Everything from like the iconography, the carving and that sort of thing really played a part in how we want to design this up so if you look on the site you can see that there's those kind of diamond patterns and stuff like that that kind of Mm -hmm. leans on that sort of style the choice of font as well we really wanted something that was really geometric because obviously looking at afro-caribbean culture there was a lot of sculpted like icons and that sort of thing that were very like heavy on the whole geometric style were there any like specific artists or designers that you were looking into? You, the, you mentioned Afro-Caribbean culture. 
were there specific designers or artists that you were pinpointing or was it just sort of the the themes that were coming up based on your research? Yeah, I think it was just more of the themes. There wasn't anyone to like identify in particular. I think it was just more of doing your Pinterest search, Google search, that sort of thing, seeing what comes up and then what kind of catches your eye and that sort of thing. And then really trying to pull that together and come with a cohesive sort of vision as to how this is going to look. I love the transitions that you that you have as you go throughout the site. So there's a lot of nice little user delights around. (laughs) You know, sometimes I know, like for me personally, too, when I have my own projects, I kind of gravitate towards similar, similar vibes, similar things I, I do. Like, did you also find inspiration for those transitions elsewhere? Or is that something that's kind of been in your your toolbox for a while? And yeah, I think it's a bit of both, really. Yeah. So obviously, I'm heavily influenced by what's going on out there as well. I'm constantly looking at pages like Dribble, Behance, and just seeing what's happening in the design world. And then some of it is based off what was in my head as well, and really trying to like strike the balance as to what makes sense here, because we don't want to just use something because it's cool. We want right. to see that it kind of bodes with what the brand is trying to communicate. Yeah. I'm wondering, like during the course of 2020, several times the Black Lives Matter movement here in the United States became a lot more vocal, uh, especially with the killing of George Floyd. And then that Mm -hmm. later spilled into the UK, too. So I imagine both you and Miles felt the impact of that. Mm -hmm. What effect did that have on this project? It really just reinforced what we were doing. Not that we were ahead of the curve because we decided to do this thing before the killing of George Floyd, but it just kind of gave that affirmation that, look, we really need to push Mm -hmm. hard with this because if we don't, then who will? And I feel like more and more people are starting to realize they have to really dig deep and try and do something that's going to benefit our community. Not to enforce that everyone must do something, but I feel as though in order for us to really elevate as a community, we need to really like use our skills where necessary to really help. It doesn't necessarily have to be you going into the marches and protesting. You could do it in, a, in an art form. You could do it in a way in which you're trying to educate someone. It could even be as something as providing the presentation at work about your culture and maybe even some of the being mindful of the behaviors in which that could impact on someone from a a black ethnicity and that sort of thing. That's one of the things that I find really important about this project. Sam, one of our designers here pointed out that a lot of design history and even art history is very white and Euro American centralized. And so calling out artists, photographers, creatives in the black community now starts to reverse that. That must have been a huge part of like the intent behind this. Yeah, definitely. And do you know what? Like this is like probably like a longer term goal, but I really hope that this is a place where people hiring or people looking to collaborate with people will come to this site and be like, okay, I need a photographer. Mm. who's a really good photographer, Mm -hmm. what are they like? And the good thing is that because they're really telling you about their journey and their story and stuff, you actually get to learn about them. So it isn't just like their portfolio you're looking at, you're actually hearing them as an individual and that may resonate with you. And 
that could be the difference between hiring this photographer versus another. So I'm hoping that will be adopted at some point during the line, but one step at a time. This episode of Tentative is supported by Remote Works, a podcast that tells extraordinary stories of teams that made the shift to working remotely. This season, you'll hear how two women working in a tiny trapper's cabin in the Arctic are dodging polar bears while fighting climate change. Or about digital nomads working from the beach in Barbados, Bali, and beyond. But it's not just stories about remote work. Each episode is full of insight and advice you can apply to your work and your team. We got a sneak preview of season two of Remote Works, and I love the high immersive production values and engaging narration. Search for Remote Works anywhere you listen to podcasts. We will include a link in the show notes. Our thanks to Remote Works for their support of our podcast. So what's next for you guys for this for this coming year? How do you hope to push this forward? Yeah, so um, we've still got like lots of stories that we're going to push out in like editor's draft at the moment it's also good if i kind of jump into the whole editing process as well so um how we went about doing these stories was that we would jump in a google meet call in a sense we would record them and then we would ask those questions and then transcribe the recording really try to flesh out quotes and stuff like that and formulate a story based on what they spoke about yeah because we asked very specific questions it allowed us to create a story so they weren't like ad hoc questions it was kind of done in a chronological order so like how did you get into the space that you were in where did you grow up that sort of thing those you know background these sort of questions and then you kind of move into like what are they doing now what is your future goals and that sort of thing so the way we laid out those questions allowed us to form a compelling story so once we transcribed those recordings and everything like that we would send it off to a mate of ours who's a writer and he would kind of like give that uh, look over in terms of the story he would add bits and really give it that puncture that it needs and then me and miles would jump in a call have a read of the story have a discussion is it fit for purpose does it work so there's a real strategy right behind this it isn't just oh, let's just speak with this person or let's just mm. form just a story or anything. We've actually really thought about this. Did you draw some inspiration as well from other styles of, of interviews? Like, I love that chronological, just more putting it in the context and telling a story. Yes, yes. There were several design articles that we looked at. One of them was um, Offscreen. I don't know if you've heard of Offscreen Magazine before. Mm-hmm. We drew some inspiration from there. We really liked how things were laid out visually. So like the way they did block quotes and just like the way the layout is and everything like that. And yeah, there were several others as well. Oh yeah, this is beautiful. And this is cool too, because they they show images of what it would look like in a spread, like in a magazine spread. That's really cool. Ooh, and there's some, do you think that there's some illustrations in your your future? I I love how they also um, have just portraitures of, of people. I'm curious too, like how you're going to keep evolving the brand as well. If you have any any tips for folks who who want to kind of keep their their storytelling and, and branding fresh. Yeah. I think the key thing is really understanding your overall goal so that that's your North Star in terms of making decisions. Because there's so many cool things out there that you can really bring in, but does it bode well with the brand that you're trying to create? 
like you could bring illustrations you could bring mm-hmm. in like a certain type of animation or so forth but does it actually make sense yeah because we're drawing a lot of inspiration from the afro-caribbean culture historically any sort of visual elements are in a style of like iconography so i can mm. easily see iconography being something more prevalent within the brand identity whereas maybe illustrations are a bit maybe too elaborate for Mm. what we're trying to create Mm. so yeah i think it's really understanding what kind of brand are you trying to create what are the origins of that brand who you're trying to appeal to and really sticking with that and then using that as your yardstick for making decisions oh i love that yeah in terms of the interviews you said you have a few in draft Besides the one with Helen that's already out, do you have a one that you're really excited about that we should be looking forward to? Yeah, the joy is there's quite a few. There's actually quite a few. We interviewed Eddie Opara, who, who is a partner at Pentagram. So we really liked his story, um, what he went through, and his advice for like up-and-coming people in the creative space. It was really inspirational, especially when we were in the call. I actually really felt like his words and what he was trying to encourage us to do moving forward. There were so many other like questions I would have liked to have asked him, but given like, you know, we had to do it within a certain time frame, we couldn't really dig into those. Keep an eye out for that. There's several others as well. But again, I'll, I'll keep you waiting on that and um, <laughs> I'll point to, point to those stories as they come out. Yeah, I mean, that, that sounds really awesome. What were some of the questions that you weren't able to ask him? Yeah. So I think it was, there were follow-up questions based on his view on design. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of ways in which what he said could be interpreted as. So I wanted to kind of really dig deeper into that. But then, you know, given the time and everything like that, I think once the story comes out, I can really like carve out like what it is in particular that I'm speaking on. Yeah, because I feel as though there's there's a lot of knowledge there. Yeah, cool to be shared. And, you know, I'm curious too, you have, you know, an an Instagram. How do you see that evolving and helping supplement your brand as as time goes on? Well, by no means social media experts. (laughs) So we're still learning as we go. So this is like a, a new area for us and we're fully embracing that. So there's going to be things that we're going to get wrong. There's going to be things that we're going to get right and learn that actually this works. But that's the beauty of it as well, because this is a platform that we want to continually grow. We're still learning. At the moment, we're thinking about just using it as a means to showcase the stories that we're launching and maybe any like things that are happening within our community as well. But in terms of the nitty gritties of when we should post, how we should do it and so on, we're still figuring that out. So far, it looks it looks great. Even just having just quotes, and you're mentioning too, like the, like those block quotes, and it's fun to think of keeping your brand like thinking of it in like little bite sized chunks, mm-hmm. and how they both can kind of evolve over time. That's really oh, that's that's really fun. In terms of technology, you've got some various like subtle animations, and I think Jackie mentioned like the, these really like subtle interactions that are really delightful. Did the intent of those interactions, like influence the technology choices. How did you go about building those out? So I think it'll be good to kind of go into my design process around this. So typically I'll, you know, start in sketch design now. One thing that I'm trying to introduce early 
is drawing to a prototyping software early on in the design process so that you can kind of flesh out those ideas. I feel like there's some people still going with this idea of, I worry about animations and stuff later on, but these are like important things as part of the product that you're trying to build. I understand that you can really go down a rabbit hole with like animating things and so on. I think the key is to really have very specific things that you want to animate per se. Mm -hmm. So like, if you're focusing on like buttons, how do they animate as you hover over them? What are the page transitions like? So really breaking them out into actual elements rather than kind of, oh, I'm just going to explore this and explore that because you can really get into a rabbit hole in terms of that. Mm-hmm. So I drew to After Effects fairly quickly and tried a, a few things there. This is a tool that I'm still very much learning. So I'm, I'm, I'm very much a novice at. But this is something that I'm trying to do with my design projects, introduce animation tool throughout designing something out. There are tons of VPN providers out there. You've probably heard of a couple of them. And some of you may even used a VPN before. But I like to do research on my sponsors, and I only recommend brands to my listeners that I believe in. I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. Here's why. ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. Lots of really cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to ad companies. ExpressVPN developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your info. Second is speed. I've tried lots of VPNs in the past. Many slow your connection down or make your device sluggish. I've been using ExpressVPN and my internet speeds are blazing fast. Even when I connect to servers thousands of miles away, I can still stream HD quality videos with zero lag, which is really important for those MLB baseball games when I want to be out of market. The last thing that really sets ExpressVPN apart from other VPNs is how easy it is to use. Unlike other VPNs, you don't have to input or program anything. Just fire up the app and click one button to connect. It's so easy anyone can use it. And it's not just me saying this. Wired, The Verge, CNET, and many other tech experts rate ExpressVPN the number one VPN in the world. So protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. Use my link expressvpn.com slash tentative and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash tentative to learn more. You mentioned prototyping animation tools or... A lot of that, I'm assuming, is not done in Sketch. Is there a tool that you're using that you're favoring for those kinds of like small interaction animations? Yeah. So um, as I just mentioned, After Effects, I'm using that. I'm also using Principle. But before I even choose the tool, I like draw for a pen and paper and just sketch something out very quickly in terms Mm. of how is this going to animate? So like a storyboard and then kind of think, okay, which is best tailored towards what I'm trying to do. So if it's something more tactile in terms of I'm clicking on something, then you probably want to go with principle because, you know, they have click events and stuff like that right out of the box. But then if you want something more elaborate, then it's best to kind of go with After Effects because, you know, you have so much capability there. Whereas with like principle, you're very much limited. You can still do a lot, but you're very much limited in what you can produce there. So I think it's all about what it is that I'm trying to prototype. And then based on that, 
I would choose like either After Effects or Principal. Principal looks cool. I could really use this right now. I'm working on some flows that would really benefit from some transitions, you know? <laughs> it looks pretty, pretty sweet. I haven't tried that. Do you usually, like when you're doing sketches and, and wireframes just in general, are you usually thinking about the interactions as, as well and, and trying to get those in? Like just, is that kind of part of the whole package for you? Like when you're sketching out initial flows and presenting to people? Yes. More recently, yes. Because yeah. what I found out was that I used to, you know, design something and then be like, okay, well, I'll add these interactions in. And mm. then what would tend to happen is that you're very close to the time that you need to launch. And yeah. it almost seems like you're adding another layer of like niceties on top, yeah. which tend to not get valued. So it's better to kind of like bake them in earlier on and really like communicate that as this is part of the early design process. So you're not kind of scrambling to kind of get them in, in the end. Yeah. And then they just become more part of it. Like it's, it's kind of core to it. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that matches up with a lot of our other processes, like things like what we tell people for accessibility. Like you don't want to like just tack on accessibility at the end of a project. Mm -hmm. You want to be doing that throughout I think Jason Freed has a saying of like, it's better to have a whole assed half than a half assed whole. (laughs) (laughs) So like focusing in on the details and and cutting down on the scope rather than like having a huge scope and not thinking through things that might get pushed aside, like these nice animations and, and interactions or accessibility. Definitely. And I feel like that's what really makes the product itself when I think of like an initial launch of a product, I think of it as like the most delicious cupcake you could ever buy into (laughs) in a sense. So if it means like, okay, like initially, let's say you want to bake this cake, but that's going to take a lot of time and there's a lot of things to consider and so on. Then why not just make the cupcake? It's still really, really good. And I think it makes it very easier for you to kind of build or create that main cake that you wanted to create in the end because you you have those ingredients ready you know what's what was required in creating that cupcake so you're basically like adding on to what you already know so that's how i'd like to think of it to be honest and i also i love thinking about cupcakes so (laughs) i'm totally into that (laughs) analogy side note as well when you guys think about a cupcake like what's the image that you have in your head like what kind of cupcake are we talking about? Oh, I'm like, I'm very simple, so <laughs> I'll probably say like a a chocolate chip cupcake. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I think of like the standard cupcake too as like a vanilla cupcake with vanilla icing with sprinkles on top. Yeah, I feel like that's the like icon of a cupcake that I have in my head. I'm I'm going like strawberry icing. Like I never even eat those, but that's just the the image I always have in my head. <laughs> so I'm I'm liking this analogy. I might uh, I probably will use this as well for because anytime we can find ways to talk about the iterative process, whether we're talking about scooters to bikes to cars or yeah, now my new favorite cupcakes to larger cakes. It's always helpful to have that that visual. Definitely. 
I think this is the most mm. delicious visual that I've had. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we talk about food a lot on Tentative. So this definitely ties in yeah. as well to our our brand <laughs> and our mission, <laughs> which is how many times could we incorporate food into a design podcast? <laughs> so Lloyd, it's almost the end of the year. You have some interviews coming up that you, well, you have ones that are already in draft that you're going to be working on. Are you doing anything like within the next couple of weeks just on this work-wise or is it, is it just mainly like grooming the, the interviews, getting them ready to go? Yeah, there's actually a backlog of um, articles that we're, we're doing. So there's one on Francis uh, Augusto. He's a London-based photographer. So that should be coming out in a few weeks. And yeah, you will get to learn more about like where he came from and the struggles that he's gone through and everything like that. One thing that I would say about these stories as well is some of the stories are like horrific and you would think, wow, you actually had to go through that. And you're still here today, really perfecting your craft. I know this is like very cliche to say in that, you know, there's a lot of talented people out there, but there's actually a lot of talented people out there. And I feel like that's really helped them as much as it, you know, it was horrible for them to go through that. It's allowed them to overcome adversity as they meet it and I'm just hoping that it's just going to inspire like so many different people from all walks of life to really like battle through their obstacles and come out the end tunnel really that's amazing (laughs) that's so inspiring so glad you guys found the time to to do this and the brain power and I'm glad that it's been a year and it's just looking awesome and it's really, it's really exciting. I'm so happy for you guys. <laughs> What's the best way for us to like know when the new interviews are coming out and when we can check back on the website? So if you follow us on Instagram, so that is um, Tones and Shades. Also as well, if you visit our site and subscribe to a newsletter, we'll be dropping a newsletter as well. So that answers one of your other questions in terms of what else are we going to be doing? So the newsletter is also another thing as well. Just shedding some light on that as well is that we plan on surfacing some cool stuff that we've seen as well. So it's not just going to be the story, but we hope to also like surface some other inspirational stuff that we found that was quite cool. Awesome. So yeah, if you sign up, you're really going to be in good company. <laughs> Love that. We end each episode with what we call the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think... Because it's still fresh in my mind, we should do the good, the bad, the ugly on cupcakes. Okay, Okay. (laughs) let's do it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) So Lloyd, what is the good, the bad, and the ugly about cupcakes? Speaking like (laughs) literally on cupcakes or metaphorically. Um... It is whatever, whichever speaks to you more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the good thing about cupcakes is that they are delicious. They are a lot more quicker to make than the actual cake. They allow you to focus your care and attention to you know those little cupcakes that you put into the oven (laughs) Um, (laughs) the bad thing about them i think sometimes you can go overboard and make them too sweet and it just (laughs) they're really bad for your teeth and your health in general 
the ugly. Oof. Um, <laughs> it's, it's quite hard to say what's ugly about them, you know. Maybe if you put the wrong ingredients in, yeah, it's, it's very difficult to go wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's very, yeah, it's very easy to switch the sugar with the salt by accident. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I've seen many an episode of Great British Bake Off where that has happened. Oh, so, proof. Oh, wow. For me, the oh, ugly man. would be a room full of kids who have just eaten a cupcake. Oh my god, that's so true. I'm yet to experience this. So, <laughs> oh, god. yeah, that's the parent in me seeing the ugly there. Yeah, there's my family has a ton of little ones running around, just in general, just with cousins and everything, and. So whenever we have a birthday, I just watch the kids after all of the cake has been consumed. And it is wild. <laughs> like, no joke, the laps around the house. Like, I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I do that after like a donut. So I can only imagine a child with a giant cake. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's definitely ugly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on Tentative. Uh, you already mentioned this, but I'm going to ask it again. What's the best way to keep in touch with Tones and Shades? And what's the best way to keep up to date with you? Yeah. Tones and Shades, the Instagram is uh, Tones and Shades. And you can visit us at tones and S-H-A-D dot E-S. So we kept it really hipster with the URL. <laughs> nice. And then <laughs> in terms of keeping in touch with me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Lloyd Bennett on Instagram designed by LJB. So yeah, that's where you can find me and feel free to ping me a message and it'd be great to have a conversation. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was really great. Yeah. So this has been a, another episode of Tentative. You can find our show notes where you can find the links to Tones and Shades, the Instagram and Lloyd's Instagram as well at tentative.fm you can email us at hosts at tentative.fm you can tweet at us at tentative.fm and please uh, if you are enjoying these episodes rate us on iTunes all of the stars yeah think about how great cupcakes are <laughs> and then while you're thinking about that rate us the, the five stars yeah, yeah. <laughs> your favorite cupcake mm-hmm This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. ThoughtBot is your expert design and development partner. Let's make your product and team a success.